host. Welcome, Kelly. I was talking last night with my brother um, about the show, and I was sharing with him my introduction, and it was reassuring to me that he shares the same memories that I have um, growing up in our household. When we were children, anything that caused us wonder, anything that we found amazing or beautiful, um, the, the, the green trees in the forest or the changing leaves in the fall or puppies and kittens or even a single flower, each time we would mention this, our mother would say to us, even kneeling down to our level, aren't we so fortunate that our Heavenly Father loves us so much that he gave us this beauty? Now, you'll come to understand, as I talk about her more, my mother did not have a scientific mind. She would go on to say that God didn't have to give us color. He didn't have to give us babies. We could have everything we needed in black and white, all in adult form, but he wanted us to enjoy our lives, and so he gave us these gifts. And as we grew up in our devout Jehovah's Witness home and in our devout Jehovah's Witness community, one of the things that was constant for us was Genesis 126, is that we were created in God's image, and we knew that was something to be proud of and grateful for. Also, we were reminded that, as John 3.16 says, God gave the world his only begotten son because he loved us so much. And then in my home, above our piano, was framed... um, in calligraphy, 1 John 4, 8, which is, he who does not know love has not come to know God, because God is love. And within these boundaries, we were taught that being made in God's image meant that we were given free will, and the free will was a gift. And all that God wanted in return from us was that we use this gift to serve him and to love him willingly, which is a simple ask from a child in a small town community who's being taught about the beauty of the world. As I got older, this became a different type of ask because as a Jehovah's Witness and in my home, I was given the gift of a Bible education. My parents didn't tell me what was right and wrong. They helped me to know where to find it in the scripture. And the first time I remember being asked to make a decision based on my own free will and what I knew God would want from me, I was 10 years old. And I had been taking clogging lessons. And for you who don't know, that's the country version of the fire dance, the river dance. So when we went to our, um, our first rehearsal, recital, I was so excited, and beforehand, it was in the winter, so I went to my instructor, and I said, this is a winter recital, I understand, keeping in mind I'm 10 years old, and I said, is there any way that it could not be holiday-themed, because if it's holiday-themed, I can't participate, Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate holidays, and she agreed that it would be a shame if I didn't participate, and assured me that it would not be holiday and theme, and so I showed up with my mother and father, and um, I was horrified to see the stage set up, which was candy canes and holly leaves. Now, as a Jehovah's Witness, you don't even sing jingle bells because the song always comes out around and is associated with Christmas. So holly leaves and candy canes might as well have been Santa Claus and his reindeer. 
And when my mom said, I guess it is holiday themed, we should go, I gave this, I feigned this little protest, like, it's not actually holiday themed, holly leaves aren't Christmas. And my mom and dad pulled me outside, and my mom said to me, you're right, and it, I think it's time that you make this decision on your own. You know what Jehovah would want you to do. And you are old enough now to listen to your own conscience. What do you think is right? Well, I knew what they thought was right. And I knew what they thought Jehovah thought was right. And it was a really simple answer, which was, like, I can't participate. But I really wanted to participate. And I really didn't believe that candy canes and holly leaves were Christmas. And so I have this decision in front of me. Do I do what I want and what I think is right? Or do I do what my parents think is right? And I chose the latter, to do what my parents thought was right. And I didn't do it out of fear of punishment. In fact, I was certain I wouldn't be in trouble. Probably if I had chosen to participate, afterward there would be some scriptural reading and some guidance to help me adjust my thinking for future decisions. But I wouldn't be punished. And when I think back on this, I feel like it is one of the most valuable lessons that I remember in putting others first. Wanting your parents to be proud of you is a good thing, and feeling good that your parents are proud of you is a good thing. Moving on into my life, um, this is another story, another time, I'm gay. And as I began to look at the world through the confused eyes of a young gay girl in a devout Christian organization, a lot of questions started coming up. Like if God gave a son so that we could be forgiven our sins, why is one sin worse than the other? And if the wages sin pays is death and God is love, then why do you get to say who I love and who I don't love? All of these things are going, you know, through my mind. Um, and I hit this period where I became a young adult and it was time to either full-fledged be a Jehovah's Witness or go off into the world on my own, which sounds really simple maybe to some of you who don't understand. But going off into the world on your own as a Jehovah's Witness means you leave everything behind. You leave your family, you leave your friends, you leave your community, your cousins, your siblings, your nieces, everyone. Because what happens when you're disfellowshipped as a Jehovah's Witness is the people in your life are instructed that they may no longer even speak a greeting to you. And it terrified me as it would, I think, any teenage person. And I decided that the only thing that I could do was be a Jehovah's Witness and be straight. And so I became a devout Jehovah's Witness, and I became what's called a regular pioneer, which meant I spent 20 hours a week in a door-to-door ministry. I spent three nights a week in, in meetings and Bible discussions with um, Jehovah's Witnesses, and then I spent the rest of my time preparing for it. And after I graduated from high school, I got a job working cleaning houses with other sisters in the congregation. And so my role just got very, 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 very small. Um, The problem is I was miserable, and I didn't know what to do with myself. And I thought, maybe there's a possibility I could leave in slow motion. Maybe I wouldn't have to get jumped out. And so 
I, uh, with another friend of mine who was having similar thoughts, um, decided to get our own apartment, which was very scary because as a Jehovah's Witness, you're, you're raised in your father's house and then you go to your husband's house. And I had this boyfriend, Brian, and there was nothing wrong with him. He's cute. He's well-liked. He's in good standing in the congregation, and he likes me very much. There's no reason that he wasn't the perfect catch, except that, like I mentioned before, I'm gay. And, um, and so I move in with my friend Heidi. I stop seeing Brian, who I'm supposed to marry someday, and I stop going to meetings. And I stop participating in the field ministry. And there's red flags everywhere because one of the things that I did is I qualified for basically the Jehovah's Witness version of the Ivy League education in Bible um, history. And so I was on the radars pretty much of, of everyone. And, and the only option for me really was to, was to marry and have children who served Jehovah and then they would have children who serve Jehovah, so on and so forth. My first intervention happened with me willingly participating. I knew that there was no way around it, and that's what I knew, and that may sound funny to you, but I believe there was no way around this intervention. And so I enter this room that has my mother and my father and three elders in the congregation. These three elders are... um, they range, I'm 19, and they range in ages from their mid-40s until their 70s. And they're in suits and ties, and their authority is paramount. Another thing that I should explain to you really briefly about Jehovah's Witnesses is, the, is headship runs through the organization and through the family. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it means it goes God, then Jesus, then man, then juvenile boy, then woman, then children. And so I wasn't yet considered a woman. I was a young lady in the congregation. So I had no authority. And I was sitting in a room full of people who had absolute authority over me. And in my life, these people that I was talking to had the ability to say to my parents, after today, you can no longer speak to your daughter. And they would do it. And I knew it. And I was terrified. And, and so I, I basically wept and begged forgiveness and explained that my life had become overwhelming and I didn't realize it and I thought I could be on my own and I thought that I could have a job and I thought I could have a career and be a witness and I knew that wasn't true now and I was going to change. And they prayed over me and they promised to come back, but I didn't. I went home and I went on about my regular life, determined to avoid another intervention uh, as much as possible. My second intervention was uh, a surprise attack. I thought I was having a meal with my parents. And during this time, every conversation with my mother ended with her in tears, weeping over my compromised eternity. And uh, she had no idea about the gay part. There's no way she was ready at that point to hear that. She was just talking about me not participating in the congregation any longer. So I think I'm having a meal with my parents, and I hear a car outside. And I look, and there's a carload of elders. Again, they're like the priests of the Jehovah's Witnesses. And they blocked my car in, and they're coming inside. And this time they brought the CO. So the CO, he's the circuit overseer. If you think about Jehovah's Witnesses run their organization like a business. So the CO is like the, v, like the regional VP of operations. That's who'd come to see me. And um, I was livid. I had this righteous indignation that was just boiling up inside of me. Something happened where there was this white, hot flame of fury that this was happening, that I thought I was having a safe meal with my parents, and instead these men are coming, and I know now why they're coming. 
They want to find out what I've been up to. And they want to disfellowship me. And I can be disfellowshipped for thoughts, not just for actions. So I know I can't be honest with them without compromising everything I've ever known. And they come in and they sit down, and I'm furious, and I'm indignant, and I'm terrified, and I'm grieving, and my mother is sitting in a chair, and she's crying, and my father is furious, and these, these elders are, are talking to me, and this moment happened, and I don't even know what they were saying to me because I was so busy inside of my own head, and this moment happened where I said to the CO, I know you need me to be unhappy. I know that you need me to be scared, but I'm not. I'm not unhappy, and I'm not scared. And that was a lie. I was miserable and terrified because I was living in this purgatory in my life where I wasn't allowing myself to be a young woman who was true to myself and gay, and I wasn't um, allowing myself to be a Jehovah's Witness. And nothing scared me more than losing my family. But when I said these things to him, the look on his face went to, from one of like a knowing, nurturing guidance to disgust and disconnect. And he stood up and he actually kind of brushed his legs off a little bit. And he looked at my mother and he said, um, Sister Toll, we'll talk to you later. And um, they got up and they left. And my mother was bawling and my father was pacing. But I want to be clear something about my father. I didn't think he was angry with me and I still don't. I feel like he was angry at everything the whole world, that this was happening with his daughter because I was supposed to be married at this point and, and planning children instead of sitting in his house in an intervention. And I don't think it, his anger was at me. I think it was at, at, at everything. And I felt that then too. And I left. And after that conversation, I called my brother, the same brother, if any of you know me, that, that forced me to come out. Um, he, I called him and I, and I was telling him what had happened. And he said to me, Callie, just stop for a second. Are you an adult. And I was like, well, technically, yes, I'm an adult. He said, are you taking care of yourself? Do you have your own home? I said, well, yes, I do. And he said, do you want to talk to them? And I said, no. And he said, Callie, tell them no. Just don't talk to them. And it was like, it never even occurred to me that the option to tell them no existed until he told me. And the next time that they came to talk to me, I knew because they have things in threes. So three elders come three times. And the third time they came to my door, surprise, of course, without making arrangements, I opened the door and I still remember Leon's face when I said to him, I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to ask you to leave. It was like the option never occurred to him that I could say no and that he would leave. And, and he did. And that was the last time they came to me to try and have this official meeting to disfellowship me. And it's, while it's true, there are still many people who have taken it upon themselves from my life to treat me as if I'm disfellowshipped because they know my lifestyle. Um, many people don't. And I don't even know that that's really what came from that moment. And I wish I could say in that moment they walked away and I was like, I am empowered and I am free and I'm going to go get a girlfriend and everything is going to be great. But that's not exactly what happened. But in that moment, I took the first real step towards having my own true free will that I was always taught that I had. Thank you.